Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back for a couple of special editions, actually. We've robbed um, Kieran's Your Team, Your Say uh, format and we're doing it in college format instead. We've got a couple of fans coming on over the next couple of weeks and, you know, we couldn't rob his format without having him on. So we've got Kieran on here as well and that only means one thing and that means we're going to be talking the LSU Tigers and for that we're welcoming Andy Taylor. Um, Andy, how are you? I believe you've been on the Britball podcast before, so um, you're racking up the appearances. We'll have to do what Soccer M used to do and get you a match ball next time we come on as well. How are you, my friend? You all right? Not bad, mate. Thanks, Lee, for having me on. Uh, I think uh, hopefully you'll do a better job uh, keeping me shut up, uh, unlike what Tim did. Couldn't stop me from talking. So uh... <laughs> Yeah, you did warn us, warn us, didn't you, in the DM before we, before we got on? Yeah, when just, we were arranging uh, things, yeah but... just be aware. You might have to tell me to shut up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. It's all good. It's all good. Kieran, my man, how are you? You okay? Yeah, reco- recovered from Monday and happy that I can just flow free and talk about Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know if I'll get a word in edgeways with you two then, if that's what it's all going to be about with LSU on the scene. But um, yeah, I'll try my best to keep you guys in check and we'll get this thing moving along. Um, Andy, first of all, before we dive into the, the LSU stuff, just tell us a bit about yourself, you know, who you are, where you're from, how you got into college football and, you know, how you ended up following LSU. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my name's Andy Taylor. I'm, I'm based at, in Liverpool right now um, and have been for, for, uh, for the last 10 or 11 years. Um, heavily involved in local team as Side Night Hawks and uh, getting involved with that has is, is meant that I've been able to... Uh, follow a bit more football and understand it a bit more and so um i i'm a steelers by uh, by background if you like i've been following them the longest and then as a as i started getting into getting into the nfl i kind of fell in love with um with with looking at defensive backs as i played that for the nighthawks and and at the time there was no one better than patrick peterson and so i was interested in where he came from and then that led me towards lsu and and the 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 gluttony of talent that we've brought out since then has just kept me going. And then obviously we'll talk about 2019 later. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. And obviously Kieran will probably want to jump in as well because he's an absolute um, fiend on the DB scene as well. Absolutely loves that. Obviously loves LSU as well. So, so yeah, no, like I say, I'm, I don't know if I'll get a word in edgeways, but no, awesome to have you on. Um, and I know you've, like I said before, you've been on the Britball podcast as well. So um, yeah, like you say, we'll, we'll, we'll get right into it. So just going to dive in get back just to last year before we kind of move back even further. And obviously we will get in a mention of the 2019 season, but how did you feel like last year went for LSU? Was it a bit of a, a disappointing way to defend the national championship? Obviously never really got going, did it? Obviously starting poorly against Mississippi State and then, you know, you lost soundly against Auburn and Alabama. How do you kind of sum it up for, for last year? And obviously we'll get Kieran's opinion as well in a moment, although we know where that's going to go with one certain member of the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, um, when I heard that Joe Brady was going, obviously Joe Borer was going to go no matter what. And then Dave Randa was on his way out as well. I don't think we could have expected the same season with two coordinators gone. Mm. Um, that's certainly my feeling. So I had the expectations of, of uh, obviously this is all pre-COVID at the time, wasn't it? I was expecting something like a push towards the, 
you know, the top six, seven, something like that. And if we made playoffs, fantastic. Um, I always thought that um, the, the national championship run was, you know, was magical and probably everything fell, fell into place. Uh, rather rather than it being something that might happen kind of like an Alabama type train you know yeah. and I thought that maybe Coach O would then be able to take that on and then maybe develop us for another two or three years to then be that train and you know I can't, couldn't imagine us getting that high and staying that high Um obviously if you if you change your two coordinators or, or obviously Brady was a coordinator in inverted mm-hmm. commas wasn't sure. he um and if you do that then stick covid in and then two two of your best players decide to 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 not come back for whatever reason it might be um i don't think i i think i would have been happy with anything to be honest at any sort of season i didn't have any expectations at that point saying that i still finished last year disappointed uh, even though I had low expectations for us with such turmoil to go through, um, I still ended up being disappointed that we did lose to Mississippi State, who actually for the rest of the season were, um, let's say, not so good. Yeah. Uh, and then to lose to Missouri again, who were mediocre at best. I think going in, you know, Alabama, everyone lost to Alabama. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, let's not worry about that because that's probably the second best college football team of all time um, after us. Uh, so you know, I think I think we did under underperform last year. Um, it'd be interesting to find out what Kieran thinks, but I think we probably left two or three wins out there last season. Well, what uh, do you between think? between Bo Pelini, which we, we're not going to get into that subject, so I don't want to start frothing at the mouth. But between that and losing sixteen starters who are all NFL caliber players, we've seen pretty much every single one of those guys who left, who made it on the field. I mean, Patrick Queen was the most disappointing one and he still had a fairly good season, which shows that the talent we had. I mean, look at Justin Jefferson. I was probably only one flying the flag for him having that good of a season and he outperformed even my expectations. So I think losing all of that talent and then Bo Pelini, mate, he's just not, I, I, we should have never trusted such a great defense to a guy who doesn't know the difference between his ass and a hole in the ground. It was really, really tough to watch. And we got carved up by KJ fucking Costello, for fuck's sake. Do you know how bad he is? And I know people are like, oh, it's the air raid system, whatever. But it, it, Bo Pelini, he couldn't figure out what the fuck to do. And uh, I'm glad he's gone. I'm sad we didn't get Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati. I feel like that would have been... Huge acquisition for us with what he did at the Cincinnati Bearcats defense, but it was just a very disappointing season. But I, I feel like we'll back up to full strength next season. We saw a lot of promise. We saw a lot of promise in Miles Brennan until he got hurt. Max Johnson looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've got new recruits in, guys like Garrett Nussmeyer. We've also got Max Johnson's brother joining us soon here at tight end. So the future's bright for LSU. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was just about to say, I'd agree with I'd agree with your comment on Justin Jefferson as well. I think I think no one saw that coming really, uh, and he was good. We knew that the trio were were the trio, weren't they? You know him, Terence Marshall and and Jamar Chase were were one of the best trios that we've ever seen until last year, obviously. Um, and I think f- for me, um, losing Jamar Chase takes two DBs. Uh, away from you know if you had Jamar Chase you take two DBs away away from one side of the field don't you and then losing that it was it, you know 
as much as I love Ter- Terence Marshall, he, he is no Jamar Chase. Do you know what I mean? And I think he, he'll be great next year. Um, but I don't think he'll be anything like Jamar Chase. And, and missing him last year was was huge. Um, and I totally agree with you with Bo Pelini uh, when it comes to... It just didn't seem like he had any idea of what he was doing with, with such talent that he did have uh, on the field. The fact that Jabril Cox could come over uh, the way that he did and he will shine in the NFL, there's no doubt about it. Um, and yet we hardly saw him last year. He got a couple of interceptions, didn't he? And and took took a... I think he took one back, did he, last year or something? I think I remember against Mississippi State, was it? Um, and... Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a, a cracking, cracking player. And um, Jacoby Stevens as well. Jacoby Stevens, it will be a good player, oh. but he doesn't look like he will be because because of what Bo Pelini did. Well, even um, Stingley, he's he's the best DB we've had since Patrick Peterson, and I'm I I might be getting him here, but I think he's even better. He is the most talented defensive back in the country right now, yeah. and he was a non-factor because the scheming was just terrible. Terrible, and and I like what what we what like you said about Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. You know, Miles Brennan did look good for me. I I can't wait to see Max Johnson. Uh, you know, watching him in the spring game, he looked like he was in control. Um, I really liked what I saw from Max Johnson. He probably won't get it because of this silly seniority sort of thing that they do in college, uh, which I don't quite understand. Uh, but I think when T.J. Finley went. I think that kind of put it on a spoon for on a platter, sorry, for uh, Miles Brennan to keep going. Um, but I wouldn't mind to see Max Johnson more than Miles Brennan, to be honest. Because Miles broke a bunch of records early in the season. Let's not forget he he broke re- LSU records for three hundred yard passing game points put up in a game. He was on fire, and he outside of that first game against Mississippi State where he was playing from behind the whole game and he was having to make throws that he. You know, he'd never had to be in that sort of position before. He'd never been the starter. And you thrust him into him having to play from behind constantly. He was sort of up up against it, but he's still going to be great. And as much as I am flying the flag to see Max Johnson start and Garrett Nussmeyer start, because they both look phenomenal in the spring game. Miles Brennan, I think, is still going to take the job. I know uh, Ogeron said, look, there's no clear starter after the spring game. But I think we know it's going to be Brennan week one. I think that's almost a certainty. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it's it's good to have these problems, isn't it? It's good to have these kind of competitions around the place. And both of these quarterbacks that you're talking about are young. You know, they've got time on the side. It's not like you've got a redshirt senior in there who's kind of having his last throw in college football. And, you know, you can mix and match a little bit if, if it's a bit even. I know you kind of tried that last year and it obviously didn't work out. But as Andy said, had a lot of circumstances going against you guys last year. So, you know, we'll hope for the best and we'll hope it's just down to a few of these factors. Like you said, that LSU had a bit of a down year. However, you know, that said, you know, you still had seven players drafted this year again. So there's a little bit of roster turnover to, to, to deal with. But I guess the team of this calibre and a programme of this calibre is kind of always used to having, you know, it produces NFL talent the whole time. You know, every single year there's players getting drafted out of LSU. And Andy, you mentioned a couple of players who obviously I've got drafted this year and who are you kind of looking to to make a big impact in the NFL next year out of the guys who just got drafted? 
I mean, the, the the easy answer is Jamar Chase, isn't it? I think I think he is the the next big wide receiver. I think um, you know I, I mentioned earlier on that I'm a Steeler. I can't stand seeing Joe Burrow and <laughs> Bengals. I mean, what is that all about? Um, but you know, if if you consider the fact that Joe Burrow will be throwing to um, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, uh, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase. Yes, please. If I was Joe Burrow, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can, can, you, can you imagine what that that isn't that isn't that Terence Marshall, Justin Jefferson, uh, um, Ed, Clive Edwards-Helaire, and Jamar Chase? Is that not a, not what they've built there? Um, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Albeit not against my Steelers, please. Uh, but I think that'll be class. But I said it before. I think Jabril Cox is something. Uh, I really do think he's something. I think he's going to be, you know. Uh, Going back to Steelers, Devin Bush esque. Um, I think he's he's going to be rapid. He gets everywhere. He's not bad dropping into coverage. He, mm. You know, he picks off a couple of people, uh, but I think he has to be in the right place, um, which takes a bit of skill, obviously. Sure. But uh, you know, it might not necessarily be that speed that gets him there. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. Certainly, those two to see what they're doing, especially considering that Jabril Cox is nowhere near the Steelers this year. I don't think. So. <laughs> Kieran, obviously, we know your we know what your opinions are on Jamar Chase. So we'll kind of you know we'll, we'll we'll let people listen to our previous podcast and we'll keep that pretty short and sweet. But what about Jabril Cox? What's he going to bring in the NFL for you? Obviously, as going to be uh, most weeks on Saturday, he's going to be a slightly less less athletic Devon White, I think, because you look at Devon White come in, we we. We brought him in as a running back. Turns out he could play defense. Look, I when I said before he got drafted, the only thing he needed to work on was his fundamentals in terms of tackling and stuff because he was new to the position and tended to tackle quite high, which led to him getting shook off a lot. And then this season, I think I am going to be confident in saying this, he's going to go down as a Hall of Fame linebacker if he continues playing this way. Uh, season, uh, season, season, he's been... Fantastic. He was absolutely instrumental in the Super Bowl win this year. He was all over the field. His side-to-side speed was ridiculous. And I think if Jabril Cox can even have 50% of that athleticism, he's going to succeed in the NFL. And he's far going to outperform that draft, uh, the draft position that he was taking. He's just absolutely fantastic. And LSU kind of has this knack for, for grabbing these players who, like look at Justin Jefferson, two-star recruit. Look at Fad Moss. I know he hasn't had his chance in the NFL right now, but he's with Joe Burrow again now in Cincinnati. And he was a transfer. And Jabril Cox was a transfer from an FCS school. So we turn these guys into absolute killers. And it, just let him on the field and just let him play. He's going to be an absolute savage. So do you think he's... You reckon, Kieran, that he's going to be like a late a Leighton Van Der Esch role for him rather than the... the um... What's what's the other linebacker that they've got called? Um, not no, no Notre Dame guy. Um, oh, Jalen Smith. He's talking Jalen Smith. Yeah. So do you reckon he's going to be more the thumper than the than the cover guy? The the thing is because I don't think he's as athletic as, as guys like Devin White, like I mentioned. He hits so hard. Some of the hits he laid down this season, even if it wasn't a sack, uh, uh, and some of the running backs he tackled for loss. Just let him loose. I don't think you need to scheme him too tightly. I mean, he performed in what was probably one of the worst defences in terms of scheme this year. And if you just let him, you don't need to, you know, get him in something too tight. Just let him roam. Just to say, hey, on this play, take this zone, 
But if you see something, go for it. And I, I think he'll really shine if you just sort of give him that freedom to, to attack what he wants. Because he's a smart guy as well. He knows he knows what's going on. He plays real heads-up football. So if you just sit him in a zone and say, hey, if you see something, go for it. I f- think he could just, you know, he's going to be an absolute beast. Let's, um, let's switch it back over to offence for a guy who you've kind of touched upon, Terrace Marshall. You know, he's over in Carolina. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? What do you think his impact is going to be there? Because they haven't really got a Terrence Marshall kind of receiver on that roster. You know, he's going to be a player that Sam Darnold's probably going to be looking to quite a lot, you know, especially in the red zone as well. Obviously, you guys saw him. He scored more touchdowns than Justin Jefferson in that season, in the 2019 season when you won the national championship. Andy, what do you think his um, uh, impact on the NFL is going to be? I think if it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I, if I remember rightly, when they were talking about him coming out, they were going to put him on the outside as a big bodied receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me thinks that that's not necessarily true because I think they might bring him inside a bit like what they did with um, Juju, um, Juju Smith-Schuster for the Steelers. Um, You know, stick him inside, let him take the licks that nobody wants to take, you know, and he's, he's not the fastest guy, but he is the big, he is, he's got a really big catch radius and he, and he knows how to take a hit and he's really big with it, with his body. So you know, I think he'll be a massive, massive impact for them. They've got what um, uh, Anderson, and they on the outside, and who's the other guy that they've got now? That him and Terrence Marshall, DJ Moore. DJ Moore, isn't it? DJ Moore. So you know, Robbie Anderson's not going to go inside. DJ Moore's not going to go inside. So it sounds like that that Marshall will end up at, at, on the slot and and let him run across the middle and take on the linebackers. Uh, but I think you know, absolutely, he he's got a ceiling that will be that will be as high as anybody. Um, but it, obviously he's drafted in the second round for a reason because he's not got cool. the the the, ref, the physical skills that you'd expect out of a, fir- a first rounder. Mm. Okay, what about yourself with, with Marshall? Yeah, I, I think you put him in the slot and just as like a red zone threat, he's, you know what I mean? He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's got huge catch radius. His arms are he, like... Here's the thing. He's going to look like he's built like Robbie Anderson, but about 20 pounds heavier. But Robbie Anderson's going to be that guy who's going to be able to stretch the defense and and get behind people. And DJ Moore's going to be the guy running those slick routes. And then they're not going to be thinking about Terrence Marshall as much. And it's not going to be until about week eight where teams realize, oh, shit, this guy's snagging a lot of touchdowns. Um, He's a real big red zone threat. And they're going to have to cover him with a safety in a corner or a linebacker and a, a safety just to keep this guy contained because he is huge and he is physical and he loves to play physical football. So he's got Donald thrown to him, which is a bit of a worry <laughs> because, you know, he sees a lot of ghosts. Um, but yeah, I, I just think he's he was incredibly overlooked, which is going to happen when you are, you know, your, your teammate that everyone's talking about is a guy who is a generational talent, a guy who is the best wide receiver to, to play college football in the last 20 to 30 years. So... It, it, it's it's it was always going to be an uphill struggle for him to play out of Jamar Chase's shadow, and that that was going to be the same with Brennan playing under Burrow, all of these different things. But the, he played what seven games last year, over seven hundred yards, a gang of touchdowns. He was almost unstoppable. So to see him take that into the NFL, he's going to be giving people fits all year. Let's um let's take a step away from the playing side of things a little bit, and let's talk about Coach O. Obviously, he's had a massive impact on the program. 
just I want to get you guys' opinion on what he means to the program and how how well led. And you know, you, we've talked about the new coordinators that are coming in, and hopefully that'll be a good thing for you guys. But obviously, Coach O's the guy. He's he's the leader of the pack. Talk to me about what you feel about him, Andy, and, and what he means to LSU. Like I say, what's his leadership and what does it mean to this program? You know what? I love him. Um, I really, I, I, you know, I know he's got some deficiencies in his in his abilities. Um, he's certainly not the the X's and O's guys, but I'll tell you what, you'd go to war with him, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know what I mean? And I think uh, I think every he commands the place. Um, you know, LSU is Coach O, and Coach O is LSU. You can kind of feel that as a as a fan looking in from you know across the pond that. You almost feel like he's got a he's got command of that whole entire organization, um, and he found he found a formula that worked in 2019. Um, and I was listening to someone, um, I think it might have been in the spring game where they were talking about how they've brought in a offensive coordinator who has worked with Joe Brady, and they've brought in a defensive coordinator who's come from the Dave Randa tree, and. It just feels like he's kind of he's going to try and look for that from now on. He's going to look for the next Joe Burrow. Uh, he's going to look for the new Jamar Chase. Who let's let's you know we'll talk about Keishon Boutte later. I'm sure. Um, do you know what I mean? And it just feels as if he's got his formula now, and he's going to go back to it. He said it from the beginning that 2019 was going to be a launch pad because he was going to just go and recruit heavily uh, based on it. The best college football, you know, legend status. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> uh, and that's what he's done. And he's gone. Um, I was just looking before. He's gone uh, th- uh, third overall national uh, this year. And he's currently fourth overall, number one in the SEC with for next year. That's how you do it. And so That's the nice. CEO type role that he's that he's brought about and and the motivational aspect for me, keep him and keep going. Just get the right people around him. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that definitely resonates there is the CEO slot title, because like you say, he's not uh, the best coach. Like you say, in terms of the X's and O's, like you say, but. You know, that's what the coordinators for, aren't they? And that's maybe why you fell so flat in your face with the coordinators last year, not being quite up to scratch. But, Kieran, you know, I know you've got a lot of co- co- coach over love to give out. So, you know, I'll kind of yeah. hand it over to you guys with this one. I, I love Coach O. He, he's born and bred Louisiana uh, and he bleeds purple and gold. He loves, he loves LSU more than anything. And you heard about in interviews when he was appointed as head coach and, to watch him shed a tear, a video that I will always cry at when I see it, at Joe Burrow accepted his Heisman Award. You can see how much he means to the players. And I would go to war for him. And I think you should probably edit this in, Lee, but the speech he gave once we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa in 2019, Roll Tide, what? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, and he said, we're going to beat their ass on the field. We're going to beat their ass on recruiting. He is... He should have a fucking lifetime contract. He is an he is the perfect coach for LSU. And he might not go undefeated every season, but I can guarantee you every single fucking one of those players will go to war for him. They'll run for a brick wall for him. And it doesn't matter if they win no games in a season or they win 14. Every single player will play 110% as long as Coach O is on the field for him because he will go to bat for everyone. And as we know, it's not going to be the same unless we hear, go Tigers. <laughs> and and, and what, what makes longevity in, in college football is recruiting. 
and he, he isn't he isn't going anywhere when it comes to recruiting, is he? Like I, I'm I'm quickly looking now because I was thinking how how what's the lowest he's got to, and the lowest he's got to that I can see is fifth. Do you know what I mean? Not like bad, eh? if you take away the national recruiters in in Alabama and Ohio State, that's that's third minimum. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's going to keep going. He's going to keep going along that way. He's got Louisiana pretty much locked down, hasn't he? Not not entirely. He could do better, um, but he, you know, and now he's branching out and he's got some Cali guys on the way in as well. And I can't wait to see what he does over the next couple of years. And and I suppose that might be, you know, you said your lifetime contract, maybe in a couple of years, if he hasn't, if we do have this dip and, and we don't be perennial playoffs, obviously we might be if there's an extended playoffs, but if we, but if it's, uh, you know, top four, if that doesn't become something that we're regularly involved, then maybe there'll be some unrest, but uh, there's nothing to point towards that happening anytime soon, is it with the recruiting that he's doing? Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see how his personality, like you guys have just been saying, his kind of coaching personality will definitely come across in, re- in recruiting the circles as well. And obviously when they're talking to the parents and obviously the players themselves, and you can imagine that, yeah, he definitely sells LSU as the place to be, um, you know, for, for any young, young, you know, four and five star player. And obviously, like you say, Andy, that's coming and bearing fruit for you guys. And, and you probably see the, the fruits that uh, the, the uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, the fruits from that labour, I guess, um, in the next few years, as you mentioned, with the with such a high recruiting class each year. Let's move on into, into what we're going to be looking at next year, though. So we're about eight weeks away. And it, that feels good, doesn't it, from the, the college football season starting again. It doesn't feel like it's been too long of an off-season. You know, we've got a few real talented players on this roster, as you guys mentioned, Derek Stingley being one. Uh, I like the look of Eli Ricks as well, when I've watched a little bit of tape of him opposite, um, opposite Stingley as well. Ali Gay... And I really like the look of Ed Ingram as well on the offensive line. That's just a few names, but I'll hand over to you guys. You're the experts. Who's gonna Who's gonna wow us this season on the LSU roster? First tips, Kieran. Probably Kayshawn Boutte, to be honest. He last year when Terence Marshall sort of opted out towards towards the end of the season, and he really stepped up and straight away started having a hundred yard games when he was the first guy to look for, and oh, he was just so, he was so good. And I didn't expect him to be that good. And, and, and he kind of just, well, I, didn't, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good uh, sort of deal. And he just stepped up and he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, like, this whole team, every single player on this roster is special. Uh, but I think Keishon Butte has got to be the top guy. But also that being said, if he can start, I think we're ready for Max Johnson season. He is... Look, his dad's a Super Bowl winner. We saw his dad hitting trick shots on Instagram the other day. The kid's an incredible talent. And the fact that he's been around football, uh, such high-level football, like Super Bowl-winning caliber football, his entire life, it's just incredible. And the left-handed, a lot of people don't know how to deal with left-handed quarterbacks. And he's a lot more mobile than people give him credit for. And we saw in that um, Florida game, doesn't fucking give up. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's pelting it down with rain. You've got 50,000, 60,000 angry Floridians screaming at him, and he didn't give a shit. He went to war. It, it was fantastic. Um, I think those two guys are really going to be people to look out for. And uh, just a quick shout out to uh, Engram, one of the first players to get a sponsorship under the new rules. He's sponsored by a Louisiana Syrup Company. 
So, so shout out there, he really went and got that bag. Yeah, we'll be we'll be discussing really? that on the regular podcast pretty soon about the uh, yeah, the name, image, and likenesses um, deals that have been handed out, and there's been some doozies out there, and that's one of them for sure. Andy, can what I about take, you? Can I take a defense? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Anything, anything, go for it. Um, I I really like the look of the 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 new look DB group um, in the spring game. Uh, we all know Derek Stingley. He's a star. He's going to be top four, top five as an A pick. Um, some are saying uh, top two if there's not two quarterbacks taken at the top of the draft. Um, I, I like Eli Ricks. Uh, Eli Ricks will be uh, is it Eli Ricks? Yeah, Eli Ricks who will be will be awesome on the other side. And they've actually moved um, a guy that I like, Jay Ward, into free safety. Um, so he was a cornerback who kept on getting burned quite a bit uh, when he was on on the field. Um, okay, he was a freshman, so he's allowed to be. Uh, but they've actually put put him in at free safety now, and I really liked him at free safety. He's rapid, and and it was class to see him at the. I know it's a spring game; you can't take too much from it. But he was everywhere, and he was and he was punching things out of of people's hands and all sorts. And and I really liked the look of him. So to have those three, and then you've got some um, some redshirt seniors and uh, that are coming in at, at safety as well um i think we've got a, a four, five star safety haven't we as a freshman as well um what's his name uh derek davis so he's a he's a five star freshman that's waiting in the rings as well but i was i was reading something that coach joe was saying about um the d line um so you know you mentioned ali gay and we've got some seniors along the along the the, the defensive line at the moment so that's that's great but then we've also got um a four star and a five star waiting in the background to to be able to fill in the gaps as well so mason smith who was a fre- who was a freshman five star who, who who's just just joined us now and um i think who, who, who was the other one that he was talking about i think it was um joseph evans i think uh that he was talking about what it was a four star no it wasn't sorry uh bryce langston who's uh who's the, an edge player who's going to come in as a four star and and he's and he was just raving about them he was like these these guys who are, who are supposed starters because they're seniors really got to watch their backs because these two are waiting in the wings and that 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 excites me to, you know when you've got an LSU, an lsu team that's got a db unit that can do do go to work backed up by a d-line that can get after it you know that's that's exciting times for this year if you ask me i think probably the the biggest question is linebacker um do do we have a queen or a or a cox waiting in the wings and uh, kira might know better than me but i can't quite see it um andre anthony who's a grad right now right he he's one of the older guys on the roster and I, i think you know his experience will really translate to sort of help anchor that defense i know we've got a lot of other you know got no real standout linebackers besides him but him and having that experience he can sort of bring everything together and sort of help things gel we can see how look tyron matthew for example at at the chiefs chiefs defense was kind of shit but he 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 stepped in and that anchor role and he sort of brought everyone together and they played out of their goddamn mind ever since he arrived so and then also bj ojalari who you know nobody really talked about last year because we never really saw him but also another great guy who's going to be fantastic so you know i think we've got some guys there and also josh white's come in he's he's young i think redshirted last year maybe but the amount of talent that's there and it just needs to be unlocked and i, I think like i said we can have that with a with a guy that's going to anchor that defense it sounds like you guys have got the dbu uh blood train blood train should i say uh bloodline should i say 
is uh, is going strong again. And it looks like you guys are going to be able to cause some turnovers and get back to what we used to see in those purple and gold shirts doing really and getting some turnovers and getting their hands on some balls as well. Because that was sorely missing last year, like you say, with Pellini, because everyone's expecting Stingley to back up his his great freshman season and you know maybe not to completely his fault but he was a little bit underwhelming last year but you know we'll see we'll see how that goes and I guess that kind of brings us on to the number seven which I know Kieran you wanted to talk about in particular obviously we want to talk about a few traditions obviously that's one of the big things about college football obviously everyone knows or every college football fan should know at least about the LSU number seven so Kieran starts off. I mean, you wanted to talk about this, you know, tell us about this and, and what it means to you guys. And obviously it's Derek Stingley wearing number seven this year, isn't it? So hopefully coming on for a big year. Yeah, so the actual biggest program tradition, which is now overshadowed by the number seven, is the number 18. And the number 18 is voted on throughout the team and, and decide to get the number 18. But the number seven, it's passed down. It, the, the player who wore that number seven then gets to decide who wears it after them. And it, it started with Patrick Peterson and he handed it down to Tyron Matthew and then down to Leonard Fournette and then down to DJ Chark and, and then to Grant Delpit and then to Jamar Chase. And, and, and it's not the most storied tradition in college football, but it is one of the most important in LSU and what it represents because it's not, he's a stand up guy and he can bring a team together. No, he's a, Number seven is always passed down from the, the guy who wore it before to a playmaker, a, a, a guy you can build a championship team around, a guy who is going to go out there and make a difference on the field. And if that isn't Derek Stingley, and if that isn't Jamar Chase, and if that isn't Leonard Fournette, DJ Chark, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, and if it isn't any of them guys, then you know what I mean? These guys have consistently been the best players on the team. Grant Delpit. Absolutely phenomenal. Leonard Fournette, one of the best running backs we've ever seen in college football. I know Chase never got to wear it, but you know how I feel about him. So it's a very important tradition that, you know, has only been going 10 or 11 years or whatever, but as it keeps going is is going to be one of the most recognisable traditions in college football. And it, it, it look, Patrick Peterson has now switched to number seven in the NFL. Hmm. That's significant because he was the first guy that this tradition started with. And as we see it go down from player to player to player, the history is just going to grow and grow and grow. And in a hundred years time, when there's still players getting the number seven handed down, it's going to go back to Patrick Peterson. And everyone's going to remember every single player who wore that number seven, because they are going to ball out. Legend status. Legend status. It's what it is, isn't it? You know, and, Think think about the countless teams that that work works with. You know, I'm I'm from Liverpool. Number seven means a lot in Liverpool as well. You know, yeah. um, and think about you know Man United with the number ten and 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 all that. It works. It's it's something that you know it feels. And I know it's Patrick Peterson, so that's Les Miles era, isn't it? But it it just feels Coach esque, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's it's a selling point. It's a recruitment a recruitment trail, and you can put that tag on that when you wear the number seven you're on your way mate and and I think that's important and and it's for me it signifies who who they see as the leader the person to strive towards and it might not be the captain it might not be the the leader in the way of you know the, the person that um everyone hears from because let's let's face it Grant Delbert never said anything do you know what I mean but it was the person that LSU appointed towards that that's greatness. That's who we need, who we want everybody to be. And, and number seven. Means uh, to be uh, LSU. 
it, and it says a lot that they take it from their predecessor. That the fact that it comes from another, it's not a vote. It comes from the player who had it before. That's so important. And I think there's a guy on the roster right now who I think will possibly get it in future, and that's Landon Jackson. Um, I call him the chemo killer because he has the world's worst case of alopecia. He looks like a photo negative of Joshua Dobbs. It's hilarious. But he's he's, he's 6'6", 260. He's a massive dude. And seeing him in the spring game, I feel like he, he's going to earn that respect from Stingley and he's going to earn respect from potentially who takes it after Stingley. And I just can't wait to see who rocks that number next because it is so so important and even though like i said it's a very short-lived tradition at this point it, it's going to be the most important tradition of the school even more so than mike the tiger yeah i think, I think it's a great shout for me it'll be it might be Butte next year um if it if he's if he continues as he is it might be Butte. but that's just to go against what you said because it's it was a great shout to start off with i get the feeling you're a big big fan of Butte, mate <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll ball out. And obviously, like you say, you're going to need another wide receiver to come up because obviously you guys have lost a few over the past couple of years, especially. Let's start moving towards looking towards next year then. And like I say, it is pretty uh, pretty close now. We're only a couple of months away. What does next season hold, Andy? What's the kind of record going to be and what we're kind of looking at for this team? I know you said you had pretty low expectations of those picked up from, from last year or what, what's your kind of feelings on this? Um. I, I'm not sure if I'm honest. I'm positive. Um, I, I'm not. Oh, I'm not overly confident in 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 last year translating into this year. We've got two new coordinators again. That's always a risk. Um, I think the for me how we how we play against UCLA first game. Um, if we play well, then I think that's a springboard that we need for the rest of the season because the rest of it that follows, I'd be looking us to if we can win UCLA, I would expect us to be six and a, is that six six and zero oh before we get to Florida, um, and that's a, that's a really good start that puts us at the top of the rankings and then we're on our way um, because I don't I don't see us being challenged by McNeese or Central Michigan dare I say Mississippi State after last year, but that knowing Cocho, that'll be a revenge game. Um, and then we've got Auburn and Kentucky, and I, I'm not sure that Auburn are going anywhere anytime soon, really. Um, so I'd be, key, I'd be keen to see how UCLA goes, even if we don't win that, which I think we should. As long as we're playing good, it's, it's difficult for someone from Louisiana to go out to California. Um, but as long as we're coming away with some, some, some sort of positives from there, then I think we're well on our way um, at that point. Um, overall record, I'm not entirely sure, but um, certainly uh, I want us to be closing in on, you know, no more than what two defeats, should we say, um, oh. by the end of the season. Hopefully, I think that would be reasonable expectations if you look at that we've got uh, Texas A&M and we're at Alabama. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones that stand out, aren't they? The ones that you think you're probably not starting that one as a favourite. So, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, we can always see you know, some shocks there in college football. It's every, any given Saturday almost, isn't it, in, in college football. Kieran, what about yourself? Um, obviously, you're always very, very positive, probably even more positive than Andy's been. But uh, what do you reckon? If Miles Brennan's the guy, we're going undefeated. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> what did I tell you? Not, not to be that guy, but <laughs> I, I think one loss is reasonable. I think us looking at the college playoffs and looking at making a run at that national championship is not without the realm of possibility this year. Last year, really fucking bad. It was just nothing was working. 
we had problems with staffing. You know, Bo Pelini wrecked the defense to the point they didn't know what they were doing. We went from the best defense in college football to one of the worst. Uh, and I think if we start that first game of the season strong and continue from there and we keep pounding and keep hammering and we have momentum on our side, we will very much be in the conversation for the national championship this year once we're in the playoffs. Absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of positivity from you guys there. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's not college football about a good LSU. I think a good LSU makes college football stronger in general as well. It was kind of a bit strange to see you guys kind of floating around um, sort of mid-table almost um, last year. So we'll start to close this out. Andy, I'll just kind of turn it over to you. Obviously, we're going to have um, everyone, hopefully a few fans listening to this, maybe some new fans of college football. Uh, new fans always need a team to look at. So kind of just turn it over to you here and kind of sell LSU as a programme and someone to follow. Because obviously, you know, you made that decision yourself at some point. Yeah, for me, I I, I fell in love with LSU uh, because I, fo- I followed the players. And, uh, you know, if you want to come and see, you want to watch uh, five-star world-class players play at a college level for in one of the best places in the world certainly definitely the best place in college football I would say the best place in American football which is which is Death Valley after dark and um, that place is immense and I can't wait I have never got out there I can't wait to get out there um, because the tradition the, the traditions there um, the the players are there and you know what what better to see what we're uh, to, to come and be a fan of and see what happens after the 2019 season and and see where we go from here because you know it feels like the only the only way is up with LSU after last season and um, but certainly to have a platform from the 2019 season I think we're going to keep going pushing and pushing and pushing um, and we're an exciting offense and we're a really good defense that that makes plays and, and plays exciting football. There's nothing boring about LSU. Um, and also the, the purple and gold helmets and the, and the, and the yellow helmets are also something to be, to be wearing proudly as well. Yeah, definitely. It's one of my favourite aesthetics actually here in college football. It's definitely a unique one as well. And yeah, like you say, one of the headline acts for college football. Absolutely. Kieran, I'm not going to get you to tell LSU because you do that every week on the podcast. So I'll kind of let you sit at that one out. Um, Andy, you've been a fantastic guest to kick this series off. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, obviously, I just want to say, obviously, we're big Britball fans here at the Full 10 Yards. I just want to say, obviously, to everyone who um, you know is listening to this, if you're in the Merseyside area, Liverpool area, I guess you guys are letting people come and watch now, aren't you, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah, go down, give these guys a watch, um, you know, get into Britball as well, and obviously get into college football as well. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for coming on, mate. Um, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure to have you on. And like I say, thanks for kicking off this series and, and talking about LSU for us and spending the time with us. Yeah, thanks, Lee. I really enjoyed tonight and uh, it's, uh, happy to do it anytime and great talk with Kieran. Yeah, definitely. And no, I'm sure we'll have you on again. And like I say, get that hat-trick ball as mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, that's it for everyone. Uh, this time, obviously next time we'll be switching over and we'll be talking some Clemson football, so going from Tigers to Tigers. Uh, but yeah, catch us after the break and we'll see you then. Hello and welcome back to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast, your team, your say, additions. This time we're back after talking about LSU. Uh, we've ditched Kieran because obviously he only can talk about LSU. And I've substituted him in for Tristan, who is going to talk about the other Tigers, the Clemson Tigers, probably the better Tigers, right? I'd say right now, maybe history will dictate <laughs> differently. But um, for the last like five or 10 years, we've probably been better. 
Yeah, <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you'd give a bit more of a full answer than that, and you really dig into LSU. <laughs> I've, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for LSU. When I first got into college football, by the end of that Les Miles era, it was uh, they were quite exciting to watch. You had those battles with Bama, so I don't. Sure. I can't quite lay into them. They're not quite South Carolina, <laughs> so I'm not going to lay into them that badly. Uh, fair enough. Anyway, we've we've obviously heard your voice already. We've got Tristan Watkin on here. Um, Clemson Tigers fan, obviously one of the admins on best Facebook group for college football that there is. Tristan, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, where you're from, how you got into college football, etc. Anything you want to kind of talk about, really. Just give us a bit of a flavour of who you are. Yeah, so Tristan, just a 30-year-old bloke from Devon, um, been watching college football for 11 years. Uh, got into it um, when I started watching the NFL, starting to learn a bit more about the draft. Sort of thought, I'm going to watch a bit of college ball. Um, and then went through the process of picking my team. Um, so obviously I'm a Clemson Tigers fan and that was purely because I'm a Raiders fan for the NFL and when I first started getting into college football around 2011 we drafted a wide receiver out of the fourth round um, Jacoby Ford was a track star wide receiver out of Clemson and he had this like three game stretch where he was getting 100 yards a game had a monster game against the Chiefs and I thought well he's my favourite player at the moment let's figure out where he went to college have a little look into it and he went to Clemson I saw the bright orange uniform I saw the rock the hill the culture and sort of just fell in love. And it was it's funny enough because um, only a few months ago on my podcast, the Four Finitures UK College Pod, I actually got to interview Jacoby Ford, which was quite a awesome. surreal moment. So wow. I got to interview the person who got me into Clemson and it was just quite a surreal moment. But yeah, I've been a Tigers fan now for 11 years and it didn't always start off great. Uh, everyone thinks I'm a glory fan when I say I'm a Tigers <laughs> fan. I was I was there when they only had six... The first season I watched them, they had six wins. It was the first year Dabo was there. So it's been a fun rise to watch us win multiple national championships and <laughs> dominate college football a little bit. But that's mainly how I got into Clemson. I never looked back. Yeah, awesome. Obviously an awesome decision. <laughs> you got on the train right at the right time. Well, yeah, I, I picked the Raiders and I've had, you know, I've been a Raiders fan for 15 years and it's been mediocre ever since. So I had to have some, like, I had to have something to cheer for. And I'm a West Ham fan as well. So I don't normally pick sports teams that are successful. So <laughs> first time for everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, it sounds like we've got into college football in a pretty similar way. NFL fan first, then into the draft. And to be fair, I've never actually taken that plunge and like nail my colours to the mast. But maybe I'll get there one day and we'll, we'll see uh, We'll see me actually rooting for a team. But but yeah, it's uh, it's what you like to say. The journey that everyone goes on, I guess, over here. And like you say, if you can supplement a mediocre football team with, with a decent college football team or an NFL team, then at least you've got some sporting success in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's let's dig back into to last year then. Um, you know, obviously you got to the college football playoffs. Obviously, that's kind of expected in the, the current climate of Clemson football. But is it a good season for Clemson if they don't win a national championship at the moment? And some some Clemson fans will say no. I I'm I think the playoff is the standard for us. We have to be making the playoff. We have to be one of the four best teams. Um, mm. Last season for every team was a bit of a weird season with COVID, players missing games. And people didn't expect it, but Clemson really was in a bit of a... has, has been transitioning since really the Bama National Championship game two years prior. We lost that defence and we've been slowly building it back up and we've not really had that, that elite defence that's held us in games and Trevor Lawrence was able to really mask some of our our downside and things we struggled at and last season that showed when we you know we were a little bit beat up against Notre Dame and we just couldn't quite get it done DJ Lalego had a really good game but we just missed that sort of next level and after that game I sort of went if we make the playoff I'll be happy and if we're competitive in the playoff 
bonus. Um, but I didn't expect the Natties last year at all. I was sort of, I, I, when I watched spring practice and looked at the team, I sort of felt a lot of it was a year away. The offensive line was really young. We had mm. a lot of graduate the year prior. Um, defensively, we had, you know, Ron Brissett, a freshman starting as key on the defensive line. We were chopping and changing our secondary a bit. We weren't sort of the finished article we've been in years past, but I think the playoff is the minimum and anything above that is perfect, really. So overall, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty decent season in your, in your opinion. You, you can't moan with a one-loss regular season <laughs> and making the college yeah. football playoff. It's, you know, we're not LSU who win a national championship and then, you know, can't make a bowl game the year after. <laughs> it's, you know, consistency is good. There we go. That, there's that fire that I wanted to see in my answer earlier. So obviously the Trevor Lawrence series has ended. Uh, obviously, it was as, as short as it was ever going to be, or as long as it was ever going to be. Obviously, he was going to get out as soon as he as he could. How are you kind of feeling about that? Um, you know, I'm I'm happy for Trevor. Like it's it's odd. I'm I'm, I'm not a Jags fan. I'm a Raiders sure. fan, but I cheered when Trevor went first overall. I was I'm as happy for him. Yeah, it was always going to happen. Like we went into last season knowing that he that was his last year. He'd been so good for so long. He hit you know as a freshman winning a national championship. He was penciled the number one pick at that point we knew the moment his eligibility was there to go to the draft he was going to be going so um it's going to be different next year it's going to be a different team with dj at quarterback the offense is going to be a little bit different losing some key pieces like travis Etienne, amari rogers can help pal offensively to the draft mm-hmm. um jackson carmen um also as well so it's a matter it's going to be a bit of a retooled offense from um you know, years prior, but there's a lot to be optimistic for if you're a Clemson fan moving into next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's still, you know, a heck of a lot of talent in the building for sure. You've mentioned obviously a couple of players off, quite a few players there that have kind of moved into the NFL. You know, obviously Lawrence is the headliner and obviously uh, Travis Etienne obviously has gone to Jacksonville with him. How do you see both of those guys? I kind of want to kind of focus on, but how do you see the kind of the draft class that went to the NFL this year? How do you see their impact on the NFL and how is it going to be? Um, I think Trevor's going to ball out and be everything as advertised. He's mm. an exceptional player, an exceptional person. He's got that high character that you want from a leader, sort of player that can turn a franchise around. Uh, Travis Etienne will be a really good pro. I, I don't think he'll be an all-pro. I don't think he'll be you know, one of the best running backs in the league ever. He's a nice weapon to have. And I think going to Jacksonville works for him, and it gives Trevor Lawrence that security blanket early outdoors in his career that he has someone that he's familiar with. Uh, Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers will carve some roles out for themselves. They're never going to be, again, Pro Bowl talents, number one wide receivers, but they can both do a job. Um, Jackson Carmen's the one for me that I'm the least certain on how his NFL career is going to pan out. I, I think he'll be a solid guard. I wouldn't want to play him next level at tackle. Um, no. I, yeah. He's not got the footwork for it. Um, so he's the one that I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know how that's going to pan out. But I think most of them will create roles for themselves and Trevor will just be a class above the rest. Do you, do you really do think he'll, he'll kind of make Jacksonville relevant again then and obviously be the almost saviour of the franchise, let's say? I, it'll take a little bit of time. They need to put some pieces around him. He won't, Rome's not built in a bay, sure. but he will, he will make them better year one. They will be better than they were last year. And if they can get the right pieces around, he's, he's the sort of player who can go into a situation and make a team better. He made the Clemson team that had weaknesses two years in a row. He took them to a national championship in a playoff. Neither of those Clemson teams, I had the confidence to win it all. I've always thought they had weaknesses, but he could just go into a, a building, go into a situation and just make everyone 
around him better. He elevates talent. He's not elevated by the talent around him like some players are. So I really mm-hmm. think he will make a massive impact at the next level. It's going to be good for, good uh, for UK fans. Obviously, neither of us are Jags fans, as you mentioned. But I guess it's good to kind of get a player and a quarterback of that calibre coming over to these shores on a regular basis. And I mean, the sky's the limit for him, isn't it, really? I think he really could be the best quarterback in the NFL or you know, at least top five sort of calibre pretty early on in his talent. career. He has all the he has all the talent, all the mental capabilities to know mm. how. I think it's a matter of getting the right pieces around him in Jacksonville and consistent coaching. Um, they've chopped and changed coaches a bit too often. It's if he fails in Jacksonville, I would say it's more the organization. I could see it, I could even see it panning up that those first five years in Jacksonville don't aren't the best of him. And if they don't do the right things for him, then he moves on. But if they can get the right pieces around him, he can really change things for them. And it, it makes it more enjoyable for someone like me to go to the London game and watch someone that I enjoyed watching for three years a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, we don't want to send it into Jacksonville podcast, but it will be one to watch with Urban Meyer there. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a college feel, obviously, with the the kind of almost like the face of college football for the past three or four years, being there with um, one of the most successful coaches the past you know, um, well, past sort of era of college football, really, in Ohio State. So, yeah, one to watch, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to kind of switch over and kind of come off the field for a second and kind of talk about your coaching staff at Clemson. Obviously, Dabo is part of the furniture. As you mentioned, you kind of joined um, at the right time and, and kind of at Dabo's first season. Obviously, another kind of part of the furniture is Tony Elliott and Brent Venables. It's, you know, a trio now that's going into their seventh season together since Tony Elliott was there. How sort of how key is that that they've been managing to keep together for such a long time and and they're not chopping and changing coordinates every year which obviously is what you get in college for quite a lot because the talent gets picked off by the NFL I think it just shows the sort of program Clemson has become that they want to stay there that they don't feel so much of a desire to immediately move to the next level I think it's been massively important I think that that consistency always helps you see it with any coaching staff in the college or the next level the more consistent you, your staff is, the less you have to change your scheme, the better it is. And, and I think it helps, you know, for Brent Venables, both his, um, I think two of his sons um, yeah. play at Clemson. He, you know, his whole family are part of the furniture there a little bit. And money helps. He gets paid quite handsomely. He's the highest paid defensive coordinator <laughs> yeah, in college football. So, um, but no, I, you know, I was scared that Tony Elliott was going to leave this off season, lots of offers coming in, mm. but, he chose to stay. I think. I think if he does go, it'll be. I think it'll be. It'll be a big job that he goes for. I don't think he'll just go for any old college head coaching job or any NFL coordinator job. I think he'll pick and choose because it's a real family feel around the Clemson program. It's the, the, the whole all-in mantra is exactly what the program's about. It's everyone's involved in, in it together, and and the fact they have such a big say because Dabo's not this, you know. T- not strategic coordinating genius. He's not like a complete X's and O's coach. He's a very good man motivator. Mm. He's very good at, you know, he's good at creating a little bit of offensive flair, but he's not an X's and O's guys. And that's why I think people like Tony Elliott and Brent Venables, who in other jobs probably wouldn't get quite as much X's and O's control of a team. Because that defense that we run is all Brent Venables. It's yeah. absolutely how he wants to play defense. He he isn't told by Dabo to tone the blitzing down when it's not working. He'll still throw safety blitzes when we're, you know, we're down 20 and looking out, he'll, they don't ever change. And Tony Elliott's just really built a scheme. Um, we had Chad Morris beforehand, who was another good coordinator that 
we'd kept on for a little bit, but he on, ended up going for greener pastures and that didn't really work out. And I think that maybe also plays in the back of some coordinators' minds that there have been coordinators who have left these big programs that don't really pan out and end up back there. But no, it, it helps. It's, you know, Alabama managed to deal with their turnover at coordinator. Mm. They can't seem to hold one for more than two years. But I think it's a massive part of how Clemson have been consistent for the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously Tony Elliott did have a few teams sniffing around him last year. Do you see those guys moving on at all? I mean, Brent Venables, I'm going to say probably not. But what do you reckon? No, I don't think Brent moves on. I think Brent will be there for a long, long time. Tony Elliott may be. Um, he's a bit more of a difficult one. He's he's very much committed to the program. I think he might have gone if Jeff Scott hadn't have gone and taken the University of South Florida job um, a couple of years ago, um, because they sort of were co-offensive coordinators at one point. And um, I think again, more with Tony Elliott, I think if the right offer comes, he might walk. But I think it would need to be a substantially good job with a substantial pay salary to go with it. I don't think he'll just go to be a middle of the road head coach. Sure. Like you say, I mean, we, we've always said that they've stuck together for seven years. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of tread on the tyres, I'm sure, left because they're they're not the oldest coordinators either, are they, in, in college football no. terms either. So, you know, it's something that could be, you know, a bedrock of Clemson for years to come, even though they're you know, well-tenured. I want to kind of touch on, on Dabo and obviously recent events, obviously, over the past 24 hours or so with the name, image and likeness contracts coming out. You might know what I'm going to ask about. Obviously, there's a quote a couple of years ago. Dabo said he'd quit if Payers. He said he may got... quit. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> not going to misquote it like I think a lot of people do. You don't see him going anywhere, do you? In, no, in not, light of this, no, not at all. And 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 that's the quote. But Dabo's always sort of he he was a big a big fan of the idea of yes, players getting their image rights. But he had this convoluted way of saying, don't just give it to them while they're athletes at college, getting everything paid for. Mm. Use it like a trust fund sort of thing. Let them earn that money. Let it sit in accounts for them. And then once they graduate, there's your money that you earned while you were at college. He's, I think what he's always tried to sort of avoid is just injecting fame into 18-year-olds very quickly and giving them a lot of money because we, you can see it with young... You see it with some youngsters that they just... Money and fame can have a negative impact. Not all, and most, you know, oh. a lot will be fine, but some will. But no, he's not going anywhere because of it. He's he's not he's not walking away from his millions and millions a year doing what he loves. No, of course not. And it's probably one of the most stable jobs in college football, isn't it? I mean, it's like what we've seen over the past twenty four hours or so is a lot of people retweeting that quote and kind of diving on that quote. I suppose when you get it from someone like yourself who knows the kind of context that he's saying and you kind of get a bit of a truer picture, so maybe some people should listen to this and maybe uh, yeah, slow down a little bit when it comes to that I, sort of thing. You can, always, you can always section a part of a quote, can't you, to make it <laughs> tell a story. Absolutely, and people who write in headlines definitely, definitely do that. Um, but no, like you say, one of the best coaching staffs in college football and you know, it looks like it's going to be really successful moving forward as well because like I said before, we've got a lot of talent on the roster and we're just going to kind of move towards that. Obviously, there is plenty of, of talent on the roster and uh, no more so than you know, DJ Young-Lele at quarterback. Obviously, we've got Justin Ross back. I'm really looking forward to seeing Andrew Booth at quarterback, at, at cornerback, should I say. Talk to me about this roster. Where's the star power? Um, star power is offensively where it's always been with Clemson. It's that wide receiver call. Um, mm. Yes, we've got Justin Ross back, so that's great. We saw EJ Williams um, had a really good little spell down the stretch. And I'm, ho- I'm really hoping that Frank Gladson, Joe and Gatter can, they've shown flashes of what they can do. Um, 
we've got a really nice running back group. A lot of people will go, oh, Travis Etienne's left. That's, you know, going to be terrible for their run game. Luckily, being a Clemson fan, being a Clemson, following Clemson, we're normally up in the second quarter quite heavily. So our backup running back, Lynn J. Dixon, has seen a lot of carries over the last two years. Mm. He's going into a senior season. He's going to be a stable running back to follow. We've got Kobe Pace there as a backup. And we've got a really exciting freshman, Will Shipley, he's an all-purpose back. A little bit Christian McCaffrey-like in the backfield. Okay. So offensively, star powers all on, on the offense from quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Uh, tight end, not so much. Brandon Galloway is, you know, a very good tight end. So is Davis Allen, but not that next level tight end that you've got. Our offensive line is still young and it's improved um, from last year. That was one of the real weak spots, but it's getting a little bit older, getting a little bit better. And um, that really should carry us. Um, but I really think this team is going to be a bit more of a defensive team than people are used to seeing. With okay, that's, that's unusual for Clemson, isn't it? Because we've got uh, we've got a front four that are really going to like we've got no one who's older than a junior in our front four. So Miles Murphy, Tyler Davis, who I'm really high on, Brian Brisset, who was brilliant Ridiculous talent last that. year, and KJ Henry. And we've got the likes of Xavier Thomas coming back for his senior year after a bit of an injury COVID year last year. So we've got a front four that can really put some pressure. Um, James Kowski, linebacker, coming back for that fifth year with uh, Braden Spector and Trenton Smith. That's a really nice linebacking core. And Andrew Booth absolutely is someone um, who I'm looking forward to seeing step into that number one role. Um, Darion Kendrick would have been the number one before he sort of transferred out. Um, so I think him and Sheridan Jones will most likely be our one-two at um, cornerback and then Nolan Turner in the safety spot. So defensively, we're stacked a bit more than we are this year. This defense has grown together had a little bit of a down year last year. Mm. I think they'll come back this year. And I think it will be quite similar to that 2018 team where we had like, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Clee Farrell, Austin Bryant, Trayvon Mullen, where our defense will not let us get so behind against the likes of Ohio States and Alabamas. And then we've got enough firepower on offense to still run up the score like we've done against average teams and to, to you know, take us through a, an ACC schedule that isn't going to be tough. Um, there's no one it just isn't it's uh, I love I love ACC football but it's hard it's, it's a Clemson fan it's a bit too easy it's there's no one there yet to challenge us our, our whole entire season edges on week one against Georgia like sure. once we get out of Georgia <laughs> we're pretty much undefeated until the playoffs I, I can't see anyone on our schedule beating us but I think it'll be a different sort of like I say a more defensive based team than it has been in years past but still a lot of offensive firepower. I think we're a bit more complete than we have been for a couple of years. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say that. I mean, obviously, led off with a lot of defensive guys, but just a couple of things, obviously, what you've just gone, gone through there. And one thing I'll say about the defence, I feel like it's, you know, we've both got the football on in the background and you're talking football terms about there being a good spine of the team. And I feel like in Clemson now, you've got a great spine. I mean, like Brian Brisset, like you say, James Skalski, and then the, the, the safety pairing of Nolan Turner and Landon Zanders, I feel like, is a very, very strong spine that you can go through there. And I think there's a lot of kind of veteran leadership with the linebackers and the, the safeties. And then obviously, like, I kind of chimed in when you were talking, talk, kind of going through the defensive line. And Brian Brisset is a ridiculous talent and certainly going to be a first half of the first round kind of draft pick, if not more than that, when he gets taken. It's just, it's the size he's got. He's got that size-speed combination that's not that. It's that... and. He reminds me a little of Dominic Sue when he was at Nebraska all those years ago, where oh. 
he's just a man mountain compared to everyone he's playing against. Mm. And as a freshman last year was dominant. He didn't, he looked like he'd been playing for years at college football. He's only going to get better and he's really going to be, yeah, we're going to hang our defensive line on him because he's going to, he's going to accommodate double teams and allow our talented edge rushers to get around. But I absolutely agree. It's this team has a spine defensively that we've not had for a few years now. Mm. And then just the second thing I wanted to pick up on, on on what you said a moment ago about the ACC is obviously the ACC because of COVID had Notre Dame in last year. Would you think it'd be something that you, you'd like to see permanently? Because that would bring in a challenger. I know that'd be kind of adding some jeopardy into the ACC for Clemson, but it'd certainly make it a better conference, surely, right? No, absolutely. I, I'd love to see Notre Dame get in. Um, I'm hoping Mike Norvell turns FSU around. Um, Matt Brown's doing a really good job at North Carolina. They're coming along. They're not quite there yet. And Miami, if they can get that right, like, yeah, even if it's like four really good teams in that conference that just someone give us a run for our money, someone make it interesting. Yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time I went into the ACC title game and thought, we're not blowing the team we're playing out. Like, it's like, and that's, yeah. It's a bit dull at times. <laughs> like people think that like, constant success is like this wonderful feeling, but like my the Notre Dame loss last year, my I five o'clock in the morning, I'm on the edge of my seat still. It's not it's something nice to feel something while. sometimes, right? Mm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. And like you say, I think it's uh, it's good for college football. I think I, I wrote an article on full time ads a couple of weeks ago about college realignment and it's, it's not something I included but it's something that's definitely um, going to be considered if, if Notre Dame fancy join the conference it's the logical thing to do isn't it I think I think realignment in college football is the big like I, I, I said this on our podcast every week um, as much as expanding the playoff is a wonderful thing go mm. for it I think alignment of conferences it's about time we haven't had a major realignment for a while in college football and it's the same three divisions that are really competing. You need yeah. to start moving some teams around conferences to try and create a bit more. Like the Pac-12 needs a bit more depth to it. Sure. You know, the Big 12 is a top-heavy conference. You could mix the Big 12 and some Big 10, move some things around and add some stuff to the ACC and just make each conference a bit more competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And that, that's yeah, what, I, what I wrote about. So yeah, like I said, quick plug for me, just go over to Fulton Ads and read that article for us if you if you haven't already. But um, yeah, it's a very fun one, obviously coming up from, from 23 to 25. I think all the TV deals are pretty much up in the big conferences. So uh, yeah, a couple of years and, and then we'll maybe see a little bit of that. But anyway, back to back to talking about Clemson. And uh, you know, we talked about the players, we talked about the coaching staff. I just want to kind of turn it over to you. And what do you think next season holds for Clemson? Like you said, I mean, I guess you kind of just talked about this, thinking probably going to go and beat if you get past Georgia, but, you know, maybe start at the College World Playoff then if you've already kind of gone through that. I think this is, you know, our best, this will be our best season for trying to get a national championship. Um, you know, in a few years, it's, you know, it'll, if we don't get one this year, it'll be three years since mm. uh, we won a national championship. And that's something that, if we want to be Alabama, if we want to be compared to Alabama, which is what I think a lot of Clemson fans want, we want to be compared to that dynasty. Nick Saban's never gone more than two years without winning it all. And if we really want to be in that breath, this needs to be a championship team. It's going to be tough. You know, a higher state or a good team, you know, they're, they're getting better and better. Their recruiting is on point. Um, you know, Alabama don't stop. The SEC is a lot more competitive. Um, there's a lot more big-time recruiting going on there. And, you know, there's a little bit of chatter on the West Coast about some of the stuff that USC are managing to do recruitment-wise and Oregon. 
is the Pac-12 about to have a resurgence, which I think college football needs. Sure. You know, yeah, needs, needs, needs Pac-12, you know, to be more than just a laughing stock. But I think, yeah, I, I think it has to be a deep run in the playoff and national championship this season. Like I say, we fought Georgia week one in that neutral site game in, um, in Charlotte. And then our, our schedule is, yeah, it's South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. There's not a team there that I think can really struggle us. Then we get to the ACC championship game, and it's either, you know, it's Miami, North Carolina, or someone like that. And yeah. again, they're not going to challenge us. So it's tough to predict the college football playoff and course, how that's yeah. going to turn out this early. You know, can a Texas A&M going to bounce on further from where they were last year? Can someone like Cincinnati, who were on the outside looking in, put together that perfect season? But we have to be going for the national championship has to be the aim this year if we really want to compare ourselves to Alabama. Yeah, and obviously Alabama are in a little bit of transition, obviously changing their quarterback, changing their coordinators, you know, sort, sort of things that we talked about being really stable at Clemson, although, you know, we've got a quarterback change at Clemson as well. So, yeah, no, it should be really interesting. You should definitely be there with, you know, minimum one loss. So should you think that get you into the final four, um, especially as ACC champions as well? So, yeah, bright a bright season to come, really, for Clemson overall. I know, yeah. It's, this, it's I'm a bit more positive than I have been in years past. You know, the team's a lot more complete. There's a lot more talent depth-wise than we've had. The schedule is unbearably boring but it's going to get us where we need to go um again it's it's a really positive season for Clemson coming up and I think you know the sour note that we ended last season on um is really gonna I've always I always enjoyed Dabo when he's rattled when there's a chip <laughs> on his shoulder like that's my favorite Dabo Swinney when he's when he's really when he feels that the chips are down and for years we played off that really well and the last mm. few years no one's wanted to call us an underdog because we've been Clemson I think now some teams are wanting to some people are wanting to say Georgia are a better team than Clemson Ohio State are better than Clemson like I think Dabo's going to be able to start using the media again going to the players look at what they're saying about us this time yeah. and and again, that's when Dabo's at his best, when he can play off that. We're an underdog. No one rates us. And we're going to go and be undefeated. And a bit like, you know, when we beat Alabama all those years back, that was the best Alabama team, the best college football team of all time. Mm-hmm. And we went and kicked their butt. And that's the sort of thing that Dabo thrives on, being able to create and manufacture those moments. And again, he's a man motivator. He needs something to motivate a team. Yeah. So absolutely. I'm hoping that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about January football in Clemson, isn't it? It has been for the past few years anyway. Look, obviously we've got um, fans on the podcast and hopefully we're going to attract some new fans to college football by listening to this. But, you know, there's going to be new fans out there who haven't got a team yet. So I'm going to turn it over to you now, Tristan, to sort of sell Clemson if it needs to be done to anyone who's listening um, who hasn't got a team. So, you know, why should, why should new fans follow Clemson Tigers? You like winning football games. We do it quite a lot at Clemson. No, but it's a, it's a fun programme. Adabo is one of the most entertaining coaches. You, if you start watching Clemson, you'll just fall in love with the man. He, 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 I'd run for a brick wall for Dabo. Absolutely would. And Death Valley, you know, on a Saturday, the hill, the rock, the atmosphere, the bright orange uniforms, it's, it's just a wonderful place. It's just a wonderful experience. And, and again, winning helps. We win a lot. If you want to, if you if you're fed up of supporting a you know a football team, an NFL team that 
not winning the league, not above <laughs> 500. Come and follow Clemson. Jump on the ba- jump on the bandwagon. The bandwagon is here. We are ready for you. The more the merrier. Yeah, and like you say, I think one thing that's definitely uh, prevalent in both the episodes that we, we've heard on today's full podcast is the aesthetic of orange and purple. Is is one that's, that's the good one. It's a really good one to look at as well. So yeah, no, definitely. The all purple Clemson uniforms are something that I I, I wish I could pull off. Um, I look ridiculous <laughs> in them, but I wish I could pull it off. I, yeah, the combination of white, orange, and purple in various combinations just looks absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it does absolutely completely agree with that one. Look, I'm going to turn it over to you because you've been a fantastic guest talking about Clemson, one of the big schools, one of the headliners of college football. I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. I know you've got your own podcast, and uh, just going to allow you just to plug whatever you want to really now for a second. Uh, yeah, come and check us out at Fourth and Inches UK College Football Podcast. Me, my colleague Sook and Nick, we just chat a lot of college football. It's nonsense, really. It's mainly me and Nick arguing about differing of college opinions. If you're, if you're into things like first take and that, you're going to enjoy us because we just we, we have differing opinions and we argue. But we'll talk you through the big news of the week. We'll talk you through the games. We have a weekly prediction show throughout the season with, you know, we've had some wicked guests um, come and do some predicting of college football games with us. Um, we had uh, Oa Ozukadua, whose brother Osa went in the draft this year to yeah. get where he went now, had him. We've had Dallas, know, former NFL, yeah, Dallas it was. We've had um, former NFL players like Jeremiah Searles on there. You know, we, we grab interviews with college football players when we can. You know, we've spoken to the likes of, uh, Grant Stewart, we spoke to him prior to his senior season, Mr. Irrelevant of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you just want some good, fun college football content, Fourth and Inches UK college podcast, you can find wherever your podcasts, um, wherever you get them from. Just come and join us, see if you want to have a laugh with us, just have some fun. And also come and check us out at College Football um, CFB UK on Facebook. It's just a community of great people who just want to talk and love college football, um, like we all do. Um, and just expand the game in this country and we post interviews and stuff on there all the time and we can get interviews with players and just it's all about growth yeah absolutely i can definitely advocate for that it's a great podcast that you guys do and obviously heavily involved in the facebook group as well which is like you say just a great community to be involved in one of the best facebook groups to be be involved in and probably one of the only reasons why i'm still on facebook if i'm honest with you and no it's a fantastic group same here. Archie Davis deserves a bit of credit. He sing- like there are admins, but he single-handedly commits his life to that group and makes he's made it a wonderful place to go. So big up you, Archie. He does definitely. I'm going to try and get him on actually to talk about some Ohio State at some point uh, for this uh, this series. But yeah, Tristan, it's been a pleasure, my man. It's been fantastic to have you on. You've been a fantastic guest, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you on again to talk some Clemson and some college football again in the future. More than up for that. More than up for that. All right, my man. Take care. You too, um, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time for, I can't remember what we've got coming up. I don't think I've actually got it scheduled, but we'll be hitting you up with some more college football, your team, your say. But yeah, we'll see you then. Um, we'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking with us. And as Tristan mentioned, check out 4 Inches UK. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at Full 10 Yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.